IE came along, which was fantastic until Firefox came along, which was fantastic until Chrome came along, which was fantastic until Firefox came back. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck just a little bit less every day. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And my name is Frank Holt. And this is episode number 113, recorded September 1st, 2023. All right. So this story actually started last week, but I wanted it to bake a little bit so that we could talk about it with a little more uh, distance and view. Have well, you heard- no. No, I want uh, no. This this is stop right there. This is not anything. This show is not known for thoughtful, like balanced, intelligent. This is hot take hour. What are you doing? You're ruining the vibe. All right, all right. So <laughs> I still think there's plenty of hot take because this is still a story that's coming along. This is news that happened in the last week. I wanted. We honestly had other. We had too much to talk about. We couldn't squeeze it in last week. So if you want, if you if you would rather just do pure knee-jerk reaction hot take. It's because there was too much knee-jerk reaction hot take last week for this one to fit in. So this is slightly less knee-jerk, still fairly, well, I'll say, I'll yeah. say moderately warm take. It's still, it's still well, going. Well navigated. Please proceed. Okay. Sir. Now, have you heard any of the, uh, the news doings coming out of Hashi? In the last, uh, oh, last with week. the uh, only only headline skimming about the the, the licensing, all right, licensing. Yes. So, so yes, yeah, so I wanted yeah. to talk about this. So, what HashiCorp has done for the recap for our discussion and for the audience, HashiCorp has changed all of their licensing. They have since their foundation been very very open source, pro open source. All of their tools were open source license, Mozilla license. And admirably in, open source, I would say, as an yeah, organization, like across the board, like in their DNA. Yeah, I, I kind of put, I kind of put GitLab and Hashi. They were my two sort of pinnacle. This is this is open source yeah. done right. This is really yeah. really good, capital G good stuff. The way these and guys we're are. talking like a lot of good kit. You've got yeah, uh, Vagrant good. and Terraform, and uh, what was their. Vault. Uh, their secret see, vault, vault, right? Which uh, I think I mean, is one of up. the best secret managers out there still. Oh, they've right? got a ton of good stuff. They've got a ton of good stuff. Um, their biggest product by far is Terraform. I mean, without question, Terraform oh, yeah. is the, yeah. is their, that's their behemoth. But they have tons yeah. of really good stuff. It's all, all of their stuff is focused on infrastructure and automation. If you're doing anything DevOps, something hashy is in your but, stack somewhere. It's if all you're doing guaranteed. any, you you have used something of theirs. Yes. Like, and it, so even if you haven't, even if so, if you're not the one hands on with the network stuff, someone in your orbit, someone in your organization is doing some hashy somewhere. Yeah. This is guaranteed. Um, so they have been very pro open source uh, up until last week. Depending on your perspective, they <laughs> right, they, which is what I want to get into. So they changed all of their licensing. They moved away from the Mozilla license, and now they are. Was it was it MPL or was it MIT? I think it they was, were. MPL. It was. M- I think it right. was MPL. There yeah. were. I think there's some providers for Terraform. There's some. There's some outliers that are MIT. I think, but the vast majority oh, right. of their yeah. stuff has mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. Um, 
MPL. And they have shifted all of their major products as of the next release or the day of release. I'm not sure how they're timing it to the business source license, also known as the BSL or BUSL are the two acronyms. Now, what is the deal with this? So the business source license is, I uh, did, did a little bit of homework. It's not an open source license in the strictest definition. It does not meet the definition that the OSI standards would set as yeah. open source. Uh, so they are no longer calling their stuff open source. They are calling uh, the, the, the free versions community editions. So they're, they're kind of striking OSS and open source from all of their, yep. their speaking because it no longer fits that. However, the BSL is, I'll say, very open source friendly in intent where you have, if you are ut- utilizing the product, so, so if you're, if you have, this is where, this, this is, is where, where we are going to, this yeah. is where we're going to bifurcate this is gonna get the fun. open, the open source nutters from the capitalist pigs. This is, this is going to get, and even then there's, it's, this is a, this is a, this is a fun. Yeah. To crack. It's interesting. These are yeah. really interesting. And cause I totally see it on both sides. So yeah. what the, if you are utilizing Terraform for your own infrastructure, this change means nothing. If you are building a provider in Terraform, this change means nothing. If you are already a partner of Terraform and doing some kind of white labeling arrangement, like all of those people, like that, it means nothing. The people that get hit by this are those that are implementing Let's use Terraform as the example, but it applies to all their products. But let's say you are building a competitor to Terraform and under the hood, you are using Terraform. That's the people that they're going after. They don't want people utilizing their product to build derivatives, which are then directly competing against them in the market. That's which... Is not open source, which by definition is not yeah. open source. The, by, the idea- by definition, and I will say both in letter and spirit, is is not open source. And uh, OSF is entirely right to mark BSL as not an open source license. There's but, no if ands or buts. Yes, but there's a big big but here, and this is the. Well, I just said no ifs ands or buts, well, and then you responded a, okay, with a but, and I'm throwing a. Oh, you know what? Fine. There's like a whole lot of. I didn't think there's I'd like a whole lot of back fast. end in this conversation there, already. Tons of back end in this. This is the latest salvo in the, refactored. Got back. <laughs> <laughs> this is the latest salvo in the open source versus, um, I'll say distributed cloud vendor uh, combat yeah. because yeah. when, and and we still haven't landed, this is just the latest iteration of the fight. So if you go back, the initial idea of open source was that I build it, I can give it to you. I don't know you crap. I'm not liable. You can do what you want with it and you can contribute back to it. And a rising tide floats all boats. Everybody benefits from, from doing that. And I'm, you know, I'm giving you open source and that's effectively me paying it forward for the open source that I have used in exchange. And it's just kind of this very. That's one take. Yeah, it's, it's, it's large, yeah. Like, correct. It it's, is a correct take. It is a correct take. Right. Uh, I, I'm using that take to, to, to illustrate a point. Because our friend, our friend Dick would disagree uh, vehemently, in fact. Who, who, Dick, who, who is, is Dick a 
is this a metaphor or is this an actual person or a company who, who who's who's dick in this? Uh, Richard Stallman would disagree with your characterization. So, so <laughs> okay. What would Richard Dick, Stallman say? What would Richard Stallman say? Dick would say no. He, I mean, he's you. You need setting aside all the drama, right? Because because you need. I think in order to push something as revolutionary as what the open source software license was, you almost you almost need a crazy. You almost need somebody. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Overton window? This idea that like, if I go out there after we record and I tell my wife like, hey, hon, I want to buy a 40 foot boat. She's going to lose her mind, right? Because there's no way we can afford a 40 foot boat. And where would we put it? We are not boaters. We are not nautical. But what there's no, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? Okay, let me just get a raft for the creek, right? She's going to say, oh, fine. That's, that's great, right? Mm. I have set the ridiculous expectation when the reality is it's a negotiating tactic, right? But if I just yeah. go out there and I say, hey, I want to buy a raft. I, no, we don't need a raft. What do you need a raft? There's going to be all sorts of questions. So you set, it's this, this, this slimy negotiating tactic where you set like some ridiculous initial bound, get the crazy expected response, and then wheel back to the thing you actually want. Uh, and it's just a game of expectations and it, it plays on all so much of mental psychology. So you need an, an RMS to be almost just out of his gourd nuts saying things like proprietary software is unethical in order to get the market to recognize that something less dramatic but in that same direction is actually okay yeah um so so yeah i think there are and and there are still people that that have varying degrees of this but to say that the idea was just well you know i'm putting it out there pay it forward that's that is a take another yeah, take is like this is part of a more complex ecosystem this is how um, his point i mean yes okay so i all right fine you want to get like very brass tacks so so richard stallman or rms when you said dick you threw me off if you had said rms i would have known what you were what you were saying <laughs> Um, I, th- I thought I thought everybody calls him Dick. <laughs> I don't know the guy. Maybe it's an app description. I don't know. Um, and yes, I know Dick and Richard and all that crap. So yeah, his, RMS, his push, RMS is like flat, really, he's a nutter. He is, but his flat push is that software should be, if I produce software, it should be free for anyone to use, study, distribute. For any purpose. That is yeah, like, exactly. like flat yep. out, that's the way, not just it has good benefits and here's why and here's all this motivation. It's just flat. This is the way he's making a very um, uh, ethics based. No, it, it is explicitly it is it is immoral and unethical yes. right. to deal with proprietary. The only ethical way right. to he's manage very, software is open source. It's almost yeah, he's line. making a, like a, a like an ethics philosophy, philosophical yeah. style. And he's you, you are arguably dogmatic about it. He's He's very vehement about it. But your point is well taken. Overton Windows, great reference. That okay to get even close to that. Let's go out to the extremes and pull people towards it. I can't pull you to the position I'm at. I can pull you to a position near me. So the further away yeah. I am, the more positions I have to pull you towards. And so yeah. yes, I, or I it feels it. like I'm negotiating. Right. You know, and it's yeah. Right. Okay. So back to where we're at. Back so to the point. Open open source, open source software exists and there are benefits that I was talking about, but open source is doing its thing. Along come AWS, Google, Azure, 
big players doing really, really big things, and they are taking open source projects and converting them into giant, like multi-billion dollar revenue streams on the backs of these open source providers and giving them nothing in return. Now, Richard would probably say that's fine because he's so dogmatic about it. The um, developers of this software are a little more uh, hesitant about this situation, leaving that kind of money on the table. And so what you have seen in recent years are attempts to balance the, I want my, op- I want my software to be open source, but I also, if, if somebody's making money off my back, I want to, I, I want to have a, I want to be in the room for that, for that action. I, I, I have a, I have a problem with that. Now you can say that that's a moral or ethical argument or that it's pure greed. Again, lots of room for nuance. I think it's kind of both. And so there have been a number of different licenses that have come along to, to do that kind of thing. And uh, this is the first time I have seen the, uh, the BSL for this, uh, for this particular problem. Um, there are, um, there are a number of these, um, a number of these kinds of licenses. Uh, I'm trying to, I have a list of them here. I'm trying well, to, well, the, the one, so I'll take you back a couple of years. And I think probably at its time, the highest profile example was actually aimed at Amazon. Yes. Uh, because Elastic, uh, uh, purveyors of uh, Elasticsearch, Kibana, Logstash, Fame, uh, the Elk Stack, they, they switched to something called the, uh, they, they had this issue. Like, hey, we have all this open source software. Amazon's making tens of quadrillions of dollars a year on it. We don't see any piece of that action. And whether it was pragmatism, business strategy, greed, I don't care what it was, they adopted uh, SSPL, the server-side public license, where yes. basically yep. it was one of these kind of bridges where, where – uh, open source initiative immediately said this is not open source and they are correct True. Um, they still call it an open source even though it's more like source available I would argue in in practice right. um, but they said basically you can do whatever you want for this but if you're making millions of dollars a year with this software there are stipulations and it's those strings attached whether they're financial or otherwise is those strings attached which void it which which separate it from an actual open source license so SSPL right. that became a huge thing for a minute with Elastic. There was another one about a year later. This is, you're right, this is just the latest in a long line of high profile cases where essentially mostly Valley companies get the flack for this, specifically the PaaS hosters, the platforms of service guys, Amazon, Azure, GCP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where they are the projects that they use. And how crazy is this? Like Elastic and now HashiCorp. They are being called villains. And I'm, I'm not making a value judgment here. I just think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the companies that built around this open source technology are now the villains because actual evil megacorps are profiting hand over fist and not contributing much back. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's just there's some i have to admire the like the illogic and, and i'm not saying that they're contributing nothing right if you look at hey you want to surprise people tell them that microsoft is one of the top contributors to the linux kernel right that's okay right. We're, we're really doing wacky wednesday now um and it's not to say that these firms aren't contributing back to these open source projects because that's flatly not true they hire people from the core communities to contribute to those projects 
to make sure that they interoperate a little better in their ecosystem for sure. But that is part of the rising tide that floats all boats. I think when you have these businesses that with a business model lies around hosting options, mm-hmm. and then you have the cloud service, the PaaS providers also doing this, then they feel like their lunch is getting you. Know, I understand as a business, like feeling some kind of way about that for sure. Yeah, for sure. The other license, uh, so you mentioned the one, the other one that I was thinking of was the AGPL, the Afero, Afero. I never knew how to pronounce it. Afero. Afero General Public uh, License, which has similar kinds of stipulations to try and stem that tide. So you can, it's open source for all the things right up until you are just straight up making a service out of my software. That's that's what those- No, AGPL, it's open source until it's part of a commercial- product and then it gets really agpl's like mm, it gets good. gross yeah mm-hmm. so <laughs> agpl's worse than lgpl frankly i think yeah well i mean there are yes uh there are companies um who was it um somebody i think it's google actually google or amazon one of them flatly if it's agpl license code we don't touch it it's it's not like they, they, that's it's, too much risk it's too much it's risk. too much risk it's so much risk so I, my my company we I there I think there is actually one eight because we monitor all libraries all frameworks all uh, depend third party dependencies we monitor all that kind of stuff there is one and we know about it we knew it going in we still bought it we don't like it yeah like we and it is very unlikely that we will approve any additional AGPL because it just becomes too it it becomes a mess the problem with that AGPL code when you use it as a service provider is um the virality so that with the gpl what can happen is with with agpl what can happen is that if you run afoul of the of the provisions then not only are you in violation of the license but like it legally compels you to share the source of the application Mm -hmm. using it yeah that's Mm -hmm. and that's why companies just say no No. and for i think darn good reason yeah and so the bsl is the next attempt in this fight. What is that? The That's the business, business source, source language. Yeah. Business source license. Hey, phrasing. B-U-S-L or B-S-L. Both of them mean the same, same thing. The business source license. In typical open source license fashion, it is very short. It's, it's, I, I could read it on air. In fact, I'm, I, I'll uh, grant you right to copy, modify, blah, blah, blah. Licensor may make additional use grants above effective the change date. Uh, this is the, um, this is the license this is the version that uh, HashiCorp is using. They're using the 1.1. Uh, there are some specific parameters that you fill out in advance. Who the licensor is, the license works, some additional grant, uh, additional use grants. The change date, which uh, yeah. I'll get into in a second here, uh, and the change license. And so effective on the change date uh or the fourth anniversary of the first publicly available distribution of a specific version of the license work under this license, whichever comes first, licensor hereby grants you the rights under the terms of the change license and the rights granted in the paragraph above terminate. So what this means is that the BSL is in effect for four years. At the four-year expiration of that code being released, it automatically reverts to, uh, in this case, what they've been using, the Mozilla license, the MPL. And so they're they're basically walling off the first four years for any kind of. Um, uh, it's a legal moat against competition. Yeah, it's a legal moat against competition. Exactly. 
Yeah, we we tease uh, we te- what is it Aldman with uh, with OpenAI of just just overtly trying to create a regulatory moat around GPT. This is this is the same thing with the mm-hmm. same motives or the same outcomes. Correct. Yeah. So he's trying to do, they're trying to do the same thing, but they're trying to use a license that is. Uh, the, the the BSL is written and they've got a deep Q&A that I think is is worth uh, digging into that talks about, okay, well, what about this? And what about that? And, and so the the FAQ actually, I, I'll give them some credit. I mean, like you can disagree with it and you can say this is bad. I, w- I do want to talk about it, but in terms of the effort they're putting forth here, I think this is really good. They have this licensing FAQ page. We'll link it in the show notes. And they actually say at the top of the FAQ, we view the guidance in these facts as binding so that you can feel confident and comfortable following along with it. I.e., it's written in human language and we're binding ourselves to this human language. We're not going to hot. We're not hiding in the legalese or anything like that. Um, so counterpoint, the, people felt like the last decade of operating under the MPL had some bind. True. To it. Yes, true. And, and, and part of the community fear here is great. So it's open source today. It's source available tomorrow. What's it going to be the day after? Sure. Uh, so I want to call out, I, I want to call out two, two things in this FAQ that swing both directions on this. So who is impacted by this change? Organizations provide your mom. Com- <laughs> Jeez. So good. Oh my gosh. We're so mature here. I'm, I'm clever. I, I don't know if you knew this or not. I'm super clever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to brag, but. Uh, <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? What? That's right. Organizations providing, uh, impacted by the change, organizations providing competitive offerings to HashiCorp will no longer be permitted to use the community additions. Commercial licensing terms are available and can enable use cases beyond the BSL limitations. So if you want to integrate, you're going to need to do some, some licensing. Um, there is, let's see here. What if I want to build, here's the other one that I found really interesting. What if I want to build a product that is competitive with HashiCorp? Does that mean that I'm now prevented from using any HashiCorp tools under the BSL license? Answer, no. The BSL license does not prevent developers from using our tools to build competing products. It's about products. distribution. Well, for example, if someone built a, product competitive with Vault, it would be permissible to deploy that product with Terraform. Similarly, if someone built a competitive product to Terraform, they could use Vault to secure it. The BSL license would not allow hosting or embedding Terraform in order to compete with Terraform or hosting and embedding Vault to compete with Vault. And so they're they're narrowly scoping it to the confines of the given product. Now, it applies to all of their products, but as long you know, I can use, I can use all the other. If I'm building a Terraform competitor, I can use all the other tools. I just can't use Terraform. Is what they're saying here. Now, here's where things get interesting, and uh, you, you sort of beat me to the punch already. What if HashiCorp releases a new product or feature in the future that makes my project now competitive with it? So I'm I'm humming along over in you know. Yeah. Blue Ocean land here doing something that Hashi is not touched. And I'm using all the Hashi tools over here. And now all of a sudden, Hashi launches, you know, Hashi Blue Ocean. And oh, crap. Now I'm competitive with them and I'm using all their Hashi products. Is, is my well, no, product- because, because by definition, if you're building something and then they come and you're using all the Hashi stuff, 
and then they build a product that competes with the thing you're building. By definition, you are not already using that, so you're not in violation but of what, that case. But what, it, yeah, but what happens if this new this new thing that they're doing is you know directly integral with, say, any any some part or combination thereof of existing hashing tooling? Like, say they build a new thing, and part of what they're doing under the hood is actually you know built in Terraform. You know, like they're like they're, they're actually you know repurposing pieces of their existing infrastructure or their existing product offering to do something new. Well, that's that's a little bit. I mean, technically possible. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, personally. Well, their answer to this one: If HashiCorp creates an offering in the future that is competitive with a product you are already offering in production, your continued use of the hosted or embedded HashiCorp product will not be considered a violation of the HashiCorp BSL license. But this is where I was going to say what, what you said. Well, right up until five seconds ago, it was MPL. So what sort of, I, yeah. I don't have a, there's, there's no, there's no faith here. It's like me, it's like me and my complete lack of interest in uh, uh, Google Strata, the gaming platform when it came out, because they've broken that promise a zillion times before. Like, yeah. I don't believe a word you're going to say. So, so they've, they've, They've broken faith here on with with the um, with the market. Well, or at least to a certain segment of the market, they have broken faith. All right. So so that's the that's the nitty gritty of what has happened. The fallout from here is super interesting. So I um, one of my one of my Slack groups that I am a part of has been talking about this for like a week now hot takes on this thing are like all over the place. Um, they are, uh, they noted that they're moving to community stuff. Uh, one, one person in the group is actually a uh, hashy employee. I should, I should, mm. you know, they're pushing out this community edition stuff. They're moving away from OSS. That's what they're telling everybody uh, mm -hmm. in house. Um, but uh, you know, they, takes here um good i range from uh good riddance to you know supporting open tf to uh open tf is probably not necessary um i should actually note that as part of the fallout of this a number of companies that were using terraform and are really not happy with this have they're they're forking they're they're forking use it as an excuse terraform yeah. this is this has become sort of the excuse to uh, to fork and now there is a, uh, a a effectively a competing product called OpenTF, um, and they are seeking to get um, what is it the CNCF cloud native cloud the, native computing foundation. That's it. Yeah, they're trying to get uh, so they're gonna, so OpenTF is going to seek CNCF. Correct. Uh, that's that's yeah. That's probably the right move. Yeah. Now, but there's a big question about whether or not that's even necessary. There's an article that I will also link that talks about why op supporting OpenTF might not be such a good idea either. Um, part of the reason, for, for example, you know, the people that are uh, the major backers of the fork are the people most impacted by the license change. People who have, who have built products with Terraform built into them that in some way, shape, matter, or form compete with Terraform. So yeah, of course you want to, of course you're going to fork here because it's either that or get on board with Hashi's 
license fees and you're like, well, screw that. I got this software. It's working. I'll just keep maintaining it. I'll put some, I'll put some engineers on it. Um, yeah. The open TF manifesto talks about the, how these companies have committed around, I, I think 14 full-time employees. Uh, and one of their complaints is the fact that Terraform from Hashi only had four full-time employees. It, so they claim, I, I, I have not been able to verify that. Um, all of it's all of that. If if you want my opinion, and I assume you do because you're here, if you want my opinion, none of that actually matters, right? HashiCorp, just like Elastic, just like the others, probably just needs to fail. And I know that is like a super RMS thing to say, but I actually agree. <laughs> I agree. In I don't think that proprietary software is unethical. That that to me is an untenable position. Um, but. I think the and and we have been struggling as an industry for I don't know like thirty years with how to support software development because to do it well it's not cheap and the market wants it to be cheap and the market keeps trying to find Konami codes to make it cheap and it just isn't to to write software well it's just not yet a commodity it just isn't and to support it is just as expensive. Everybody mm. wants to think that, oh, I could, you know, I could have a 20 person team bang this thing out in nine months and then reduce staff down to three for support and then make all of the sales and scale. It, no, that's not no, how it that's, works. That's it. I, it that works. is never, that has never worked and it won't ever work until there's some fundamental change to either market dynamics or software as a, as a, as a, as a, you know, course of study it, it, it's not not realistic mm -hmm. so for me i look at it and i think your options are basically <clears throat> something like a foundation uh cncf linux foundation right um mozilla foundation these are these are good initiatives uh i'm a huge supporter of open source software but i think the right model uh i don't think we've we've hit on a good model, but the best models we have are support and services, right? Red Hat, basically. Mm -hmm. GitLab. Right? So GitLab's a good I, example, you know, too. So I'm, uh, you know, anybody that knows me for the last, I don't know, the 50 years, I have been working on this side project of mine. And it's an open source project. And it's never finished. It's probably never going to be finished, but I have fun tinkering. Uh, well, if I'm going to make that into a commercial enterprise for myself as an open source project, as an open source uh, uh, supporter myself, what I'm going to do, the only way that I see it's ethically and financially sustainable and viable to do so is to open source the project. So I have my, um, it's, it's a, I'm building a widget, right? I will create the widget foundation which is a 501c3 that actually owns the IP, owns the rights, owns the stewardship of the thing. And then I will create widget org, uh, widget corp, which is the officially branded kind of services uh, company that knows widget the best and mm -hmm. can offer you support, installation, consulting, services, up, you know, all of the things, mm -hmm. uh, even customizations, right? You want to pay a la carte for development, for customizations to it. That's fine. Widget is uh, owned by Widget.org. It's open source software. We can, we can take that. We can make a fork of it. We can add your customizations. Widget Corp can do that for you. And yeah, uh, Widgets Corp could stand up tomorrow and compete with me. And that's just the market. I don't, I don't understand how I, I really start to get the feeling with some of these things that 
these organizations are at the core, they're really not open source groups of people, right? They're really just there using open source as marketing. They're just really slick at marketing the term open source to appeal to the people to whom that matters. So my take, Elastic, Hashi, maybe those businesses just fail. And I, maybe they just fail. So, so you think Hashi, you think Hashi, I mean, Hashi could, but you think you're suggesting Hashi should actually sort of bite the dust because of this change. I think Hashi has been banking on the term and the goodwill of the term open source for over a decade Mm -hmm. or about a decade. I actually don't know when they were. I know I became aware of them like 2014 time frame. That sounds about right. I think that's 2014 Uh, or 2013, I think is when they came into existence. Something like that. Something like that. Um, Because I think Vagrant was one of their first products. Um, Doesn't matter. The point is, my opinion, they... Maybe it's been an internal politics, a leadership change. Somebody else came. I'm sure the founders didn't feel this way, but at a certain point, it becomes the case that you are not actually an open source company because I don't think that actually exists for exactly these reasons, right? And now, so now you're going to violate the spirit of open source by changing to a non-open source license, and you're going to violate the spirit of market dynamics by trying to artificially guard yourself against competition. Just be better. And let the market decide that you're the best and that you deserve to be a sustainable company. I don't, mm. So me, like I'm not, I like as of today, I don't have any ill will towards Terraform or Vault or Vagrant or Packer or any of these projects. I don't feel any kind of way about HashiCorp. What I'm saying is if this is the way that they are treating stewardship of this uh, creation and this is the way they think about market dynamics, my... I, I would think in a, like me alone in a vacuum, I think they just wind up failing and that's probably for the best. Like I'm uh, not actively wishing that upon them because they employ people. These are people's livelihoods we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Yep. Um, but we probably don't need that company in the, in the marketplace. So they were founded in 2012. Um, 12. Okay. 2012. The first product was Vagrant. It was built a few years the origin of it started a few years prior to that. The second yeah. product was Packer in 2013. Yeah, then Packer. And then Surf and Console. I still think Console was like an, like when it came along, just a genius idea. Um, then Terraform came along in 2014. So yeah. um, the you want to hear some real irony. Uh, somebody... They opened a dial. They opened a discourse thread. Hashi did on their discourse site, following mm-hmm. this announcement. And the thread, as you might assume, went on and on, <laughs> devolved and, and on and on, and, and <laughs> eventually devolved. Yes, it got gross. Um, somebody, and I will link this in the show notes because again, there, this is just just fun, interesting reading for anyone who. I mean, this is highly impactful for our world. So I think it's really good for. For people in in the space, whether you're building stuff, you're managing this stuff, you're managing people who build stuff, you know, like this is, I think this hits a lot, this hits a lot of notes, hits a lot of people. So uh, up to, in I have a Wayback Machine link that up to, I think it was June of this year. Yes. So June of this year, there was a snapshot of the HashiCorp website, June 9th. On their top level navigation on the uh, of the about section 
of their Why website. Why open source matters to there us. There was an open source top level, okay, second level navigation. Under about, you go to open source. Then there's a whole thing about open source. There's a video from the founders. This is in June. This is June. You know they were talking about this before, before then. As of June, they had this open source page and the founders are talking about open source and how they, you know, it was just a no-brainer that this is what they were going to do, and it's the default posture, and here's why it's great, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, it was just earlier this year. And then seemingly on a dime, and this whop, 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 they just they just flipped the switch with and uh the uh, the OpenTF Foundation calls this out. They they made this decision. They didn't they didn't say they were thinking about it, they didn't. Involve the community. They didn't yeah. involve the community. They didn't ask them for feedback. Which is how a for-profit private company operates. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to, here's the thing. They're you, trying you to announce have their decisions. You don't invite Flame War. But right? they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to say, look, we're just trying to make sure that our, you know, that we're getting paid for the effort. And and I can I can see on that point. I'm like, I can have that conversation. We've sort of danced around it. I'm, I'm willing to see you on that. I can uh, ha- see you hashy on that point. I, I, I'm kind of like, I'm a little there with you on that. I get it. I totally get that. So, but they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. We want to make money. And we still want to, we still think of ourselves in open source terms, and all this kind of stuff. Well, okay. Freaking act like it. So one of the first no, things not. you could have done, right. The, one of the first things you could have done was, Okay, we're gonna. You know, we're thinking about doing this change. We know this is gonna be a big impact. Solicit the company, you know, giving you all a heads up and soliciting for for questions and feedback. And they didn't do that. And that to me felt that was a uh, a very big ding against the you know letter versus spirit. Like, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily believe you so much because if you're yeah. doing. If you're doing all the open source things, right? You're over here, Venn diagram. Like you've got 99% of these of these circles still overlap. You're doing all the open source and you sliced off this little piece over here so that you, you know, don't have competitors building competitive products on your back. Okay. Like, okay, we can talk about that. But you're you're actually carving out more. Like you, you, you didn't solicit feedback from the from the from the community. You know. Well, but again, I think it, it comes down to language is tricky, right? Because people use the term open source in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it actually, like, it has, I'm sorry, it, it actually has, like, a pretty specific and legally defined meaning. Mm-hmm. And so open source, you can't carve, a, a, even if it is a modest, you cannot carve a chunk out of the Venn diagram and still call it open source. It is necessarily... Uh, an atomic definition that is not separable. You cannot take part of the open source definition, leave it aside, do something your own way, and still say open source. Yeah, I, like I, that's it. Actually, doesn't work that no, way. I, and I know open source, like, oh, you know, uh, well, but you can still look at it. We still accept PRs, and we're still involved with. It. That's great. You can be an open lowercase o company. You can have your source available. You can accept pull requests from the community. It isn't open source by definition. Yes, but they're still going to keep. They're still going to continue to trade on that term. That's what kind of starts. Well, to no, I, I. They have talked about removing open source from their in the FAQ in the FAQ. They talk about removing the term open source because it is no longer by definition. Oh, okay. They, they okay, freely good. acknowledge. Okay, they're acknowledging that they don't meet the open source term, but they're trying to 
still fit the mold as much as possible, which again, I can see as like, yes, you're right. Binary but they're not definition. saying, they're, they're, but they're not, they're not replacing open source with proprietary in their marketing. No, they're, they're not, not saying, oh, we're proprietary software. No, they're not saying proprietary because yeah. they, I mean, they but are, it is. but it's source available. Uh, yes, but it reverts no, after. Source, lots of, lots okay, of proprietary, proprietary software for, source available. They're proprietary I can for, get, for four years and then like, it reverts to the, to the open source. So they are no, still the, open the, source. The, no, they are not. They are, they are not. They are source of it. You can get the source code for Microsoft Windows. If you have a relationship with Microsoft and you sign the paperwork and you go through the thing, you can look at the Windows source code. So it's source available in a way. It is proprietary system because their license gets to tell you what you do with that source code. Right. If in any way, if in any level that is true, it is not open source. There are two modes. There is open source and there is proprietary. I, I don't see this is the one place where like I'll, I'll channel RMS a little bit. There, there isn't a middle ground. It is one or it is the other. Because if, if I give you something and then I still get to tell you how to use it, it's not it's not yours, which means it wasn't open. So how do you describe this situation then with with Hashi here where it where it let's I mean, you're right. OK, let's acknowledge I'll acknowledge your binary here for the sake of making another point. Okay, it is proprietary, but then after four years, it is open source. So is the entity of Hashi, is it purely proprietary? No. Is it purely open source? No, it's actually neither. And so that's where I... I, I it is. So let's, let's, like, let's, let's ground this a little better, right? Okay. Let's just talk about Terraform specifically, because I know that's the one that kind of blew up the loudest with this because of OpenTF and, and all mm -hmm. of that, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, what did OpenTF choose to use? Are they like GPL or MIT? I think you know, they were PFC? sticking with... Um, sticking with MPL? I think they were sticking with MPL. Uh, okay. I'm actually not sure. Let me, let me see if I can find it. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's right there in the middle. I mean, this was, this was literally two years ago we went through this with Elastic. Yeah. Um. Uh, so here's, so here's the answer to my question. Cause it, it doesn't act ultimately matter to my, my point, uh, which is, okay, let's assume for the sake of argument that it is binary mm -hmm. and let's assume for the sake of argument, we're just talking about Terraform and then what happens after four years. Okay. Right. Cause that's, it I mean, doesn't that is... matter. Okay, it doesn't matter because four years is a long time. OpenTF exists. I'm just going to use that. Anybody, anybody that cares about what open source actually is, is just going to use OpenTF. And by the way, I don't think Terraform is what it is in four years anyway, because the trend is already like part of part of what part of what Terraform was. It was a step in the right direction. It was a little bit. I'm not going to say it was evolutionary technology. Great tool. I mean, obvious. I don't have to say that it's a, everybody knows that Terraform is freaking awesome, right? Um, but it's lacking in a lot of key ways. Yes. And you're already starting to see products come along that address those and will supplant it. Just like Netscape was fantastic until IE came along, which was fantastic until Firefox came along, which was fantastic until Chrome came along, which was fantastic until Firefox came back. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is, it doesn't matter what it actually is. It's not open source. Maybe it will be again in some day, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because nobody's going to friggin' use it. Yeah. It's because because I 
it's like somebody that uh, you ever get this where they're like, oh, you know, this show came out like, I don't know, Arch I'm going to say Archer, even though it's not true, but but just because Archer just started airing again. Oh, yeah, Archer's great. Uh, the first couple of seasons are weak, but then it really gets good. Me personally, I have no patience for these kinds of shows. I'm not going to invest a season or two seasons or three seasons of my time watching a show on somebody else's word that it will one day get good. That's not that's not a good show grab me after the first season or I'm out. Like, I don't have time or patience for that. And the same thing with the open source. Maybe one day it'll be MPL and then I could use it for whatever. I don't care. I'm just going to go find competing technology. This isn't open source and I need software now. I don't need software in 48 months. Mm -hmm. So for me, and I think, I think you'll see this in the market, people are just going to like, okay, well, not Terraform. What else is there? And there are plenty of competitors. Right? And maybe they're a little less mature, a little less feature complete, but they also solve some of those underlying issues. One of the things that I've wanted in a while, and I haven't looked, by the way, it's been probably, it's been a minute since I've looked. What I really want is basic, would have been a nice extension for Terraform. Now maybe it'll be on top of OpenTF. What I want is an abstraction layer. So I want an intermediate language that allows me to specify out of the common denominator of what the providers offer, specify what I want in an intermediate language so that my IAC now becomes provider agnostic. Mm. That is the missing piece because now you can mm. stand things up. You can actually get provider portability. You can use the same code to deploy into Azure as AWS. Like that, that will be Nirvana when we get something like that. Mm, okay. Um, I'm going on a whole thing now. I'm going to stop. My point is, though, like which it is and why does it matter? What about four years? I, I just, you're asking me personally, I don't care. It isn't open source right now. And so I, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Okay. And by the time it is again, it'll be replaced. But that's just it. If you're, it doesn't matter to you. But if you're not actually building a competing product, I mean, if you look at the people who signed the, the, the TF manifesto, they're, they're all, they're all, well, the, the top people on the list are direct competitors. Uh, Harness, here's the, here's the top five. Here's the top five. Mm -hmm. Harness, Gruntwork, Spacelift, Envzero, Envzero? I've never said that right. Envzero, Scalar. The, I mean, they are all direct Terraform competitors in various, yeah. in various ways. Um, so, so they're capitalizing on the on the bad juju to make oh yeah, make HashiCorp look bad. Well, That's I, not I don't shocking. know if it's I, well. There's I think there's yes. There's definitely some of that. They've also uh, four of the five uh, committed uh, uh, covering the cost of FTEs for a period of at least uh, cover the cost of five FTEs for at least five years. So there are four companies that are doing five FTEs worth of salary for five years. So there are. That's a $5 million commitment. That's a big, I mean, yeah. And that's a big ass team. That's a lot of money. I mean, 20 yeah. people is a, that's a big ass team for, for a single product like that, a focused tool yeah. or for, for Terraform. Mm -hmm. um, if, if the, if the counter factuals are to be tr proven to be true that Hashi has but here's been a, running it with four people. I but mean, here's, like, but here's a, a great example though. Kind of proves my point that HashiCorp no longer matters. Because OpenTF exists, five. So okay, we got five competitors, and let's right. just pretend there were only six people in the market, right? Okay. So you had six companies in the market. Uh, five of them were built off the technology of another. That one decided to be a bad steward of the open source moniker. Mm -hmm. So the other five ganged up on them and will now eat their lunch. 
because hmm. they were allowed to fork the technology. They can all agree to fund the open thing that their business is built off of. Mm-hmm. Open TF grows. That supplants the need for Terraform from HashiCorp. These five businesses thrive. Again, like the market will just wash HashiCorp out of the equation. Uh, it's you're, you're, it is entirely it is entirely possible. Um, I'm not to to be clear. I'm not defending this decision on HashiCorp's part. I can see the, I, I I can understand their perspective on it, and we'll see what happens. Um, but you know where. I think a there's lot a certain of, real politique to the argument. They, right. for sure. you, like you, I, un, I do. I'm not without understanding the like the dynamics at play. Why you would do this? Why you would think? Oh, hey, yeah, it's just this thing, and then we'll make it open. We just need to carve out a little niche so we have time to grow our. Like I, I get that. And it, and it it narrowly it narrowly scopes it to just the people who are. I mean, it very clearly says building a competing product. If you're not building a competing Terraform, you're good. Do whatever the hell you want. You can build mm-hmm. it into a product. You can make money off the back of Terraform. Don't compete with Terraform. Didn't that's, didn't uh, that's not a didn't, bad carve out. I think that's okay. Like I'm I'm I am morally I am pro. Two things can be true at once. I am big time open source fan. You know this, uh, and I think that that's an okay balance for for the community. I think that is okay for us to to do. Now, whether or not this becomes the norm, we'll see. Uh, let's see what no, happens I don't think with Terraform. I think, right. you I think very, your, your yes, elastics. You clearly, yes. Yeah, your elastics, your HashiCorps, I think I think market dynamics will prove that this well, doesn't how's, really How's Elastic much. doing these days? They seem to be doing fine. Not as well. Well, I was just going to say. Uh, how are they doing? Wait, it, was about, it was about two or three years ago that Splunk and Datadog in them really took off. Mm-hmm. Well, they were built on... But, right. Okay. So you're saying, well, no, Splunk didn't take off three years ago. They've been around for a lot longer than that. No, I didn't um, say they were founded three years ago. I said they really started to take off and get a lot of market share. In the in the aftermath of the license change. You're saying that would be my contention. Yeah. Mm, okay. I, I'd have to look it up to say for So like I'm sure. I'm like, look, it's their it's it's their software. They get to license it and they get to relicense it. Mm-hmm. So it's their product. They can do this. I like I'm not saying that that's that's it's invalid of them to try to do it. Uh, I'm okay if other companies decide to take the same approach. Um, my my only personal gripe is to have open source software and then make this move. Yeah, that's icky. At oh, best, oh, yeah. that's, that's uh, icky. So right, okay. And, and see, but you it, take that take that out of the equation. They're at liberty to do this. Uh, maybe it'll work out for them. And for the folks whose whose livelihoods depend on it, I hope that it does. My suspicion is that the market will choose otherwise. Um, and I and I think that just the business model is wrong. It's not sustainable. I, I think you could you could look for other examples of this and you will see where companies have to make these icky decisions that make tough decisions and piss people off. Because they're just not set up. I, I think a foundation with a support and services company next to it is the only way to sustainably monetize open source projects like this. Okay. All right. So hold on a second. Let me put this in front of you. So GitLab, my other open source favorite mm-hmm. out there. Okay. They have an open source product. I went and looked. It is today. I, I double checked it. They are uh, MIT licensed. MIT. So, so yeah. very wide open, very wide open product. Yep. Still doing great. They're they're they went IPO. Like they've been they made it. Like, like two years been, ago, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so they were successful in the in that definition by the by the definition of any company you know growing big enough to go IPO. That's a success measure. Um, they have part of their model is uh, they have a uh, split. They have a open sourced. They call it their community, or they did. They've changed their name like a zillion times of their different products. Every three weeks, it's a different they price. Really it's it's I infuriating. To, I, I had a GitLab. I, we heart you here on the refactored show, but your pricing page changes with the moon. It's pr- ridiculous. Th- th- their pricing and their marketing and their sales need somebody All to come along place. and just like it's harebrained. Yeah, just like unify the thing and then just sit the hell down and just do that thing for more than a minute. Like, just, <laughs> they need to take some Adderall. Like they just need some 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 org level Adderall in that place. Yeah. So. Um, it's like the they, last six years has been one big A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P test. <laughs> they have. I, I was working for a company and I was responsible for trying to set us up. We were a, a, a consulting firm and we were we were big on GitLab and we were trying to get a, a seller reseller status with them so that we could sell mm-hmm. it directly and you know commissions and all that kind of fun stuff. What a pain in the butt. And the system actually changed in the middle of what we were trying to do. Oh, uh, and the well. requirements were just owners. It's like, guys, I mean, calm down. What are you doing? Um, so anyway, GitLab. GitLab has their open source. They call it their community edition or did at some point. And then they have their, uh, they have their executive enterprise product. Okay. And their enterprise yeah. product, you can host yourself. And that is source available. It is built on top of the open source version. Uh, and then they have their hosted service too. If you go to, if you go and create a site on gitlab.com, which you can do for free, that is the, or some variation of the enterprise level product. It's the open source is under there, but there's the proprietary enterprise stuff. The, the, the SAS code is on top of that as well. So, so they have, the, they have their open source piece and then they have they have closed source software. Their enterprise mm-hmm. product is is source available if you host it yourself. And then GitLab.com is is closed source. Uh, we were just singing their praises about their um, handbook the other week. And in their handbook, they actually talk at one point when they talk about the visibility and transparency that they have in the handbook. They actually call out there are certain things that don't get in the handbook, like our our counter competitive stuff again, you know, for, for our competitors, like things that we're doing to, you know, establish ourselves in the market or new products that we're developing. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. so there are certain things yeah. that they, that they, that they pull back. And so I'm thinking about that, particularly the closed source stuff that they have in the GitLab enterprise edition. And then I'm thinking about what, what Terraform is doing here. And here's my question to you. Is, is what Terraform, let me finish the question before you jump. Cause I know what you were going to want to do. Is Terraform really so different from, is, is Terraform's approach here really so different from GitLab or is this simply a, uh, a, uh, a matter of course correction where GitLab saw what they, you know, saw this problem for, you know, coming at them down the road and got ahead of it and, you know, they've got their community edition, the open source community edition, true open source community edition, then they've got their proprietary enterprise versus Terraform that just went, ah, screw it, open source everything. And then and then made came to the same realization that GitLab foresaw and is now trying to, you know, shoehorn them in themselves into a position that is 
I'll say GitLab-esque in its approach. Different product, different model, totally understand that. But are the two are the two thought processes really so far apart? Is Terraform, I, is HashiPort really so they, far apart? I don't know. I think that they are. I, I mean, I see, I see your point, and I, I, there is there is some validity to it. But there, you you are making you, there there is a part of your point. I don't I don't fully agree with it, but you are making a good point. Okay. The, so first of all, it's difficult. It'd be super difficult to compare the business model of a SaaS versus developer tools. Well, they have that's, SaaS, that's tough. Yes, but they do have right. SaaS offerings. I mean, Terraform does have SaaS offerings. Yeah, but that's not what it is at its core. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Yes. You know what I mean? Okay. Fair. So, so, so that that made there's a little bit of a mismatch there. I think we can we can work our way past that though. You look at GitLab. Essentially, what they have is the open core model, which is nothing new. That's been mm -hmm. around for a billion years, right? Um, that's long been one of the models for supporting open source software because it actually works. It doesn't work for everybody all the time. But it does work. Now it has mm -hmm. problems, right? There are problems with the open core model, and we could we could there's a laundry list there. I mean, but it's essentially open core with the software services component. So GitLab's got the product, that's MIT open source. Uh, you want the enterprise features, you can pay the enterprise license for that proprietary code. And yeah, it's source available, but it's still proprietary. Mm -hmm. Um and then they will sell you, you know, services and support and and hosting and stuff on top of it. Um so for me, if I look at the two, I think, I think, yeah, it, it is different, right? But at the same time, okay, open core, because here's the difference. Today, I can go fork GitLab, rebrand it with my amazing HTML skills, and I could start blitblab.com. And I offer Git hosting and CI/CD and security scanning and ticket management and all of this kind of stuff. That's that's legal for me to do. That's fair mm -hmm. play. Yeah, nobody's going to care because hey, this is just GitLab. Why don't I just use theirs? Um, but I could. I can't do that with Terraform. Mm, right. I mean, that is yes, that is the separation uh, for four years now. Now, after the four years, that's where I think you have a point, like open core versus eventually open source. There, there is a power. You, you've got something there. I don't think it's enough to say that are they really the same? There are similarities for sure. I would say, okay, so. My issue is the strings attached. I right. can take GitLab. It used to be called GitLab CE and GitLab EE. There was a community edition yes. and a paid edition. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't know, I don't know what it is now because it changes every 12 seconds. It's changed by the end of this sentence. Um, they it used to be that I could take GitLab CE. I could clone it. I could do whatever I want. I could start a competing business. Anything I needed to do. Full open source. By the way, that was such a win. They break stuff all the time. I love GitLab, but they break their stuff like all the time. I think they release like every 14th of the month. I don't know how many month 15ths I awoke. So somebody <laughs> emailed me that yeah. something is down with GitLab because I had an auto update set up. Mm -hmm. uh, Turn that crap off. So anyway, well, yeah, yeah, that's that's ultimate. Like don't don't update on, on the .o. Um, but because it was open source, I, I was able to go to the forum, grab the patch, go in, fix it, no big deal, wait for the 01. Uh, and I, I don't think I ever learned my lesson. Um, I do think there is a fundamental difference. But GitLab CE, that GitLab product, that is available to me without strings attached. I can do whatever I want with it. As long as 
if I am redistributing, it is not with a more restrictive license and retains the credits. That's mm-hmm. usually the, the, the clause. That's usually right. the operative part of it with redistribution. Um, that was part of Elastic's issue with AWS. They weren't distributing it necessarily, but they were licensing it mm-hmm. and it got icky. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I, I, I do think they're different. They're not like night and day. Not, there yeah, are similarities, but the open core is fundamentally different than because you're saying here is the stuff that is open source. Do what the heck you want. There's actually a, a do what the f you want public license. I love the do what uh, the f really, you want license. Oh my yes. gosh, it's fantastic. It's one um, line. Do whatever the f you want. <laughs> it's great. We don't care. And, and yeah, don't exactly. Care. It's, it's just and and it's 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 just it's an alias for public domain, but it's just it's it's colorful. It's it's, it's a wonderful. little tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so there's there's do whatever you want, but then there's this like oh it's open source asterisk. It's available, but you can't do anything with it. And I think that for me, and again, there's a little bit of RMS channeling. There's just there's enough about that that is dissonant with the core philosophy of open source that it can never be the same. Yeah. Even I, if eventually it's open source. I, yeah. Okay. It so just you, seems, to me, it screams a business in desperation. It screams to me a business that is so scared for its market, so unable, so rigid and unable to adapt to market changes, uh, so hard up for cash. They're bleeding to competitive. I don't know what it is. This screams to me much more about a business clawing to stay in business. And that's mm. why that it's not from a place of malice or I hope these people go out of business or anything. The reason that I say I think the market will just opt out of HashiCorp is that it sounds why would they do this if they if it was bonanza? They got they got money falling from the ceiling. Every room, every office in their building in the center of it is a disco ball over a hot tub filled with naked people in gold bullion, right? There's just money everywhere. It smells like you walk in the door and you get sprayed with 24 karat glitter. If that were the case, why would they do this? Mm. Uh, So to me, there is, there is at least some suspicion here that the business is already failing. And this is like the gasping breath. That's part of why I say, I think they're just going to be irrelevant now because they were on their way out the door. You 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 really think so? I don't I don't see Hashi being. There's another explanation. There's another explanation, which is they took they took uh, investor money and I mean, are now being taken required. They've done several series raises. Big. My point is the other way that companies get into this problem is they take money and then they're held to more growth than they can do organically, and then they re- they have to resort to crap like this to try to make up the difference. Right. But again. It's a business who's been around for a decade and still relies on outside money to succeed. Doesn't sound like a business in a free market system <laughs> that's really going to last that long. I don't know if they're so burning cash or not, but that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I don't know. So okay, I, like I'm trying to I'm trying to split the difference between the practicality and the philosophical here. You know, yeah, like, and see, I see what you're doing, and uh, you know, it, you you called out the differences, but I I still see uh, I still see a lot of. Um, similar style thinking for different products in different setups. But Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like what Hashi is trying to accomplish is the same thing that GitLab is trying to accomplish. GitLab by the timing of their decisions and the nature of their product are able to do it in a way that keeps them open source. I think Hashi is trying to do the exact same. I, I think that intention there is the same. If the, 
but the outcomes and how they're going about it are fundamentally different and are upsetting. But if the leadership the is that tone, like the, the, the response to this is so predictable, uh, but it's like, it's worse than a Hallmark movie. How predictable mm. this response to the, from the community is the leadership is so tone deaf, unless they just don't care. They know, they knew that they had to know that this was going to happen and they're just hoping, well, it'll blow just like the Reddit guy. Well, this will blow over like all the other internet storms. I mean, that could just be part of it. Like, hey, it could. we're going to take a beating. We're going to take a beating for a month. We're going to be in the headlines in not a good way. And then we'll get back to business. That could be it, too. Yeah. But, you know, this is fine. All right. Um, so a, a couple I want to call out a couple a couple other things that I think are really interesting to to point out. Um, after Open TF was announced and they did their manifesto thing. They uh, anything that has a manifesto, you got to be like, well, I mean, uh, lots of open source projects and groups have. I mean, that's a that's a common uh, term. Right. But just just as a topic of study, manifestos like historically sus. <laughs> All right. So uh, after that came out, uh, <laughs> ter- Uncle Theodore, Uncle Theodore enters the chat. You know what I'm saying? Ha- has she changed the terms of service? Uh, for Terraform after OpenTF came out. It originally, a, part, a, a portion of it, it said you may download or copy content and other items for personal non-commercial use only, provided that you maintain all copyright and other notices contained in such content. Okay? They changed that. The, the part, it now says you may download providers, modules, policy libraries, and other services or content from this website. So here's the new part. Solely for the use with or in support of HashiCorp Terraform. So what they're saying is, if you're doing anything open TF, you don't have, you, you can't you use can't any of look the at providers. A, or, I yeah. mean, for, this isn't even source code. It's like, you can't look at our, you can't look at our code. You can't look at yeah. our modules. You can't use any of Which our documentation. you have to do. Like that's, that's perfectly reasonable. Given, given what we've already discussed, you have, you have to draw, you have to make this rule. Otherwise the whole thing is kind of pointless exercise. Yeah. Okay. So. Cause the, cause the work, the work is not the core engine. The work is in all of the providers and modules and libraries. So that the, the open TF people caught this and that of course led to much, yeah. much, yeah. much more uh, grumblings and, and so on and so forth. Uh, one other timely change that I, that I want to point out that was very, very fun. There's a competitor to Terraform. They've been around for several years now called Pulumi, P-U-L-U-M-I. You can go check them out at pulumi.com. Their hook was, okay, we do the same stuff as Terraform, but instead of writing in that stupid HCL uh, language, uh, HashiCorp language, I forget what the hell it was called. It's the the language that they created for Terraform, which I hate. I, I despise that language. Instead of doing that, you just write, Python or JavaScript or TypeScript and, you know, you, whatever language you want. And then, you know, you're just using an SDK and then our stuff under the hood, but you're able to code in the same stuff that you've always coded in. So it's Terraform in your own language is kind of the way that it was touted. It's a mm-hmm. super cool product. Uh, I'll probably be looking at it for my next uh, provisioning exercise. But anyway. HCL does suck, by the way. Can we talk about oh, this for a second? Blows. How many projects invent their own templating language when there are like, uh, like only a, like a hajillion that already yeah, exist and why? have tooling and support? Why? Like, did you really need? I get, I get a little academic about. It. I'm like, from an information theoretic standpoint, did you need another templating language? No, <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah. You could have picked anything you else. Picked any already, language. Like, why Literally did you give us language. a bunch? 
another syntax to highlight and to lint and to parse and to like uh-huh seems yeah. kind of stupid it, it's very stupid because it's, honestly i hate it. and i know i think thing. you i think you can use i think there's a way you can you you can feed uh json to terraform um but why not just just do json or xml or yaml because uh, mm-hmm. there are templating like with uh jinja right you uh with salt stack yeah. uses uh yaml with jinja yeah right? there, like there yeah. are standard tool sets that everybody's already been using that you could have deployed you don't need to stop reinventing the wheel the syntax for your stupid scripts is not your special sauce don't waste your time on it mm-hmm. yep totally agree that was was like Vim 9, not using Lua or something, that digging into reinventing Vince. It's the same thing over again. You don't need your own little stupid thing. I, that's yeah. infuriating. To- to I totally agree. And HCL, and the problem is HCL is particularly it's actually, yeah, It is right. just and, uh, ugly, and it's diff- It's easy to make mistakes. Ugh. And not only that, they, like because they went with their own custom language, there were things that they couldn't do that any standard language would be able to do, encapsulation. Uh, iteration yeah. and looping. Like I remember at one point, I forget what the feature was that they added, but it was some core thing that literally any programming language you've ever had. I think it may have been loops. If you had, so I have, uh, I, I have a script. I want to build the same server. I want to build four of them in a cluster, right? Doing that in Terraform was a royal pain in the ass. And yeah. then they introduced some basic hooks to allow it. And I was like, yeah, this is great guys. Or you could have just used a normal freaking language and this problem would have been solved for you out the gate. So I have never liked HCL. And so what they, what they call a DSL, which, which also rubs me the wrong language. way. Yes. Because, because almost anything you know that's a DSL isn't from like a language design Generally, standpoint. It's, it's yeah. actually just meta programming. It's, it's not a domain specific language. Hand. I have actually like, written. Awk is a domain specific language. Uh, templating in Ruby like ERB is not. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's just metaprogramming and I it bothers the academic part of my brain when people say DSL because like you keep using that term. <laughs> but I don't I think know. you know what it means. Um, I have actually written my own DSL for, for a project and the way that I like to think of them is they are a shortcut. If you have a very yeah, specified that's what metaprogramming problem, is. Yep. Right, yes. Put it in other terms. If you have a very specific problem that you are solving in a certain way, and there's a lot, you know, you want to hide a lot of complexity under the hood for the sake of uh, documentation clarity, writing efficiency, uh, stability, repetition of, you know, making sure yeah. the logic is. DSLs are great, but don't think of them as actual programming languages. As soon as you start thinking, and this is this was the HCL problem, HCL was a program is a programming language but it's not it's built in the it's DSL. a really bad one. it's a really bad one right and it's it, uh, it's the same kind of dumbass decision that led to people replacing their perfectly fine uh acid compliance databases with uh you know no sql solutions well there's a reason all that other stuff exists guys like you know right tool for the job here <laughs> so yeah my problem with no sql is the same as my problem with like node it is good for something. It's not good for oh, nothing. Yeah, it is good for something. Yes, yeah. But the problem is like 98 out of 100 places where it's used, it's you not, didn't have the problem that it solves. Right. And so you're, you're wasting, you're reinventing, a, like for no, 
2% of the cases. Yeah, that was right. actually the right, right. NoSQL is the right case. Node is the right in certain use cases, but people deploy it because it's the new sexy, not because it actually solves the problem that they're aiming at. Right. Uh, and then you might, Java, it can't, JavaScript can't do math. <laughs> stop, like, do, stop letting it do math. <laughs> come on. We're going to trust all of our infrastructure on stupid job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so I want to come back to Pulumi. I mentioned how they the mm -hmm. timely changes. Uh, so so uh, Terraform thing got updated in the last couple of days. Uh, Pulumi, uh, a week ago, their uh, hero tagline on their homepage said, don't spoil it, I'm going to tell you, said infrastructure as code in any programming language. That was their claim to fame. That's the thing that makes them <laughs> Unique. Less than a week ago, the the hero tagline changed. Open source infrastructure as code. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hashtag shots fired. <laughs> there you go. So they absolutely capitalized on it. Uh, I, I'm I'm very curious to see if they and other competitors get a get any kind of a bump uh, off of this. Um, so and it uh, looks it looks like what they're doing. Uh, I've not looked at Plumi before. They just have they just have like language bindings to do the things. Yeah, and they're adding which, more languages is, and yeah, a lot simpler for them than inventing a new crappy language. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I made I invented my own language uh, a bunch of years ago, and it was fun. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't want anybody to use it because why? There's no point in having why? another one. Why, God? Why? <laughs> why? So I'm actually going to make. Uh, I want to make just because I because it's true and just, I, ha I haven't even just used to twist it, the needle, just to twist, twist twist the, the knife, knife, twist the knife a little bit on on hashy. We're going to make Palumi the uh, the oh. the pick. Palumi's let's the pick. do super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. <laughs> and by the way, in addition to TypeScript, Python, Go, C Sharp, and Java, you can use YAML with templating. Just straight up YAML with templating, which is probably which, where I would go for something like this. Is probably with the YAML. I always think about the, to I me. Was, I think that's the that's the cleanest. I think uh, unless you want to do something really kooky. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do some really dynamic magic because very specific business reasons, sure, throw a language at it. But yeah. otherwise, I mean, your your infrastructure is. Nobody's infrastructure is really dynamic. I know we like to talk in these big flowery, like, oh, it's super dynamic and spin things up and down based on traffic levels. Yet infrastructure is really not that though. It's, I, I set the stuff up and I use it. And when things change, I change the infrastructure. It's it's really not, it's really well, not but dynamic. Most, but, but most of like, most of the development community that does that is kind of disconnected from the reality. Yeah, you can spin things up and down and elastic for your need, and then, but some IT guy is still maintaining the entire K8s cluster. Right, exactly. Like regardless still... of how much of it you may be using at the moment. Exactly. And those are, I'm, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. Like it's 2023, y'all, and and K8s is still not ergonomic to scale the way that you really want it to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's. It's yeah, it, it's still a. I mean, talk about it, the underlying cluster. Yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah, still yeah, yeah. not that it's, it's, friendly. It's not no, and I, I mean that kind of. It, it, this just goes. It, it, I put I put Kubernetes in the same bucket that I would put 
um, uh, microservices. It's a really, really useful tool if you have that problem. And if Once you, you don't prove have that problem, you have the problem right. solved. Have yeah. the, oh my gosh, I have, I have the number of times I have the problem first. <laughs> have the problem yeah. first, then solve the problem. Don't yeah. solve problems until you're sure you actually have them because you're going to send yourself down rabbit holes that you just don't need to waste time and money on. It drives me, it drives me Yagni, nuts. folks. Yagni. Got to put a screaming goat in there. It's just ridiculous. It is you ridiculous. All right. Well, what do you all think of the uh, of this big old switcheroo over at uh, at the HashiCorp? I uh, would love to hear from you. Feedback at refactor.work is where you can reach out to us. We'd love to hear it uh, about this or anything else. Uh, if you want to check out other episodes, you want to check out the show notes we talked about today, you can head to our website, refactor.work is where you'll find all that good stuff. And you can also listen to back episodes and all that all that uh, fun stuff. Uh, if you want to hear more from me, you can check me out at hotcoles, K-O-E-H-L-S.com. And Chris has his musings over at chris.tonkinson.com. And this has been episode 113 of the Refractor Podcast recorded on September 1st, 2023. Have a great weekend, bud. Thanks, Frank.